Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Qala rabbi shrahli sadri wa yassirli amri wahlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. Allahumma zidna ilma. All praise and thanks is due to Allah Azza wa Jal. Peace and salutations upon Muhammad ibn Abdullah. Salawatullahi wa salamuhu alayhi. Peace and salutations upon his family, upon his friends, and upon all those who try to emulate him until the end of time. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, welcome to the fifth lesson of the fiqh of Ramadan or the fiqh of fasting. And Alhamdulillah, we are studying the book Buluhul Maram, the chapter of fasting. And tonight, bi-idhnillahi ta'ala, we'll be starting off with the hadith which deals with the ruling on the elderly who cannot fast. So someone is old, they are frail, and they are not able to fast. وعن ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما قال رخص لشيخ الكبير أن يفطر ويطعم عن كل يوم مسكينا ولا قضاء عليه رواه دار قدني والحاكم وصححه ابن عباس may Allah be pleased with him he narrated an elderly man is permitted to break his fast but he must feed a poor person daily and he does not have to make up for it. This hadith or this narration, this athar is related by Imam Ad-Daruqutni and Imam Al-Hakim who rendered it to be sahih. So my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, this hadith indicates to us that the elderly, both male and female, if they are unable to fast, they are allowed to eat during the days of Ramadan. So we find that our elderly in our community, our grandmothers and our grandfathers, they've reached the age of 80, 90, and they don't have the strength, they don't have the ability to fast. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it such for them that if they are unable to fast, they will pay and feed someone who is poor for every day that they cannot fast. So they must feed a poor person for every day that they have missed. And there is no qada upon them, meaning they do not have to repay that day. The sick person who is chronically ill or who has a sickness which will not allow them to fast and they are unable to pay qada. So here we need to listen up carefully. Somebody, for example, they are or they have a very extreme case of diabetes. They have an very extreme case of a heart condition or whatever sickness they might have but they are on medication all the time they are chronically ill and this illness is with them for the rest of their life and they are unable to fast 
So the ulama, they have made qiyas based on this hadith that they too will have to pay, I mean, yani feed a poor person for every day that they cannot fast and they won't have to pay qada. As for someone, for example, he's suffering from the flu. Someone, he maybe broke his arm, billah, he broke his leg and he's on medication or he has some stomach illness and he's only ill for a week or two. He doesn't pay. He doesn't feed, he doesn't pay a poor person for every day that he must. No, because he will pay qada fast, meaning after the month of Ramadan, when he regains his health to his full ability, then he will pay back that week or two weeks and Allah knows best. The view of Ibn Abbas. So this narration that we gave, that we read, that is in Buluhu Maram, this is the view of Ibn Abbas. And this view is well accepted and we don't find any of the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam going against this view. So now I would like to paint two scenarios. The first scenario is that it is possible that Ibn Abbas, may Allah be pleased with him, heard it directly from Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And this is why he said that Rukhisa, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he doesn't mention Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, but he says there was a concession given to us. And who gave the concession? was Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The second possibility is that he got his verdict from the following verse. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he mentions in Surah Al-Baqarah, the last verse of Surah Al-Baqarah, verse number 286, And Allah azza wa jal, he does not burden a person beyond his scope. So either he heard it from Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, or he made istidlal from the hadith or from the ayah I should say that Allah does not burden a person beyond his scope. Sheikh bin Baz rahimallahu ta'ala in his Majmu' al-Fatawa he was asked, or this fatwa is recorded, that he was asked about an old woman who is unable to fast. What should she do? He replied that she has to feed one person for each day, giving half a sa'ah of local staple food. Whether it is dates, rice, rice or something else, or a cooked meal. And this is equivalent to approximately one and a half kilogram. Also the Shaykh carries on rahimallah and he says that this was the fatwa of a number of the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. May Allah be pleased with all of them including Ibn Abbas. If she is poor and cannot feed others then she does not have to do anything and it is permissible to give this expiation to one or to more than one person at the beginning of the month 
or in the middle of the month or at the end of the month and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the source of all strength. There is a narration of Anas radiyallahu an that when Anas became extremely old he was unable to fast and Anas radiyallahu an he gathered 30 poor people at the same time and he fed all 30 of them and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best the next hadith my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam this is the ruling on somebody who has intercourse he has jima' during the day of Ramadan and I'm specifically mentioning during the day of Ramadan and the hadith reads as follows عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه قال جاء رجل إلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال هلكت يا رسول الله قال وما أهلك قال وقعت على امرأتي في رمضان فقال هل تجد ما تعتق رقبة قال لا قال فهل تستطيع أن تصوم شهرين متتابعين قال لا قال فهل تجد ما تطعم ستين مسكينة قال لا ثم جلس فأتي النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بعرق فيه تمر فقال تصدق بهذا فقال أعلى أفقر منا فما بين لابتيها أهل بيتي أحوج إليه منا فضحق النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم حتى بدت أنيابه ثم قال اذهب فأطعمه أهلك رواه سبعة ولفظ لمسلم Abu Hurairah radiyallahu an, may Allah be pleased with him, he narrated that a man came to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the man said that I am ruined, O Messenger of Allah, I am ruined. The Messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked him, what has ruined you? The man, he replied, I had intercourse with my wife during the day in Ramadan whilst I was fasting. The Prophet peace be upon him said to him, Are you able to free a slave? The man said no. The Prophet peace be upon him, he said, Can you fast for two consecutive months? The man said no. The Prophet peace be upon him asked him, Can you provide food for 60 people? The man said no. Then the man sat down. A basket of dates was brought to the Prophet and he said to the man, Give this as a sadaqah, a voluntary charity. The man said, To someone who is poorer than us, there is no one in the city who is in need of these dates more than us. On this, the Prophet, peace be upon him, he laughed until his molar teeth could be seen and said to the man, Go and feed your family with these dates. This hadith is related by the seven imams and this is the wording of Imam Muslim. May Allah be pleased with all of them. 
My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, this hadith indicates that intercourse, that jima' while fasting during the day of Ramadan is a great sin. And we can see that this is a great sin because the companion, he says, Halaktu. That I have destroyed myself. And the Prophet, peace be upon him, he asked him, What has destroyed you? And then Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he explains the kafara to him. And the next point, there is an, or there is a kafara, there is expiation for the one who has intercourse during the day of Ramadan. So this person, he is fasting during the month of Ramadan and he has jima with his wife. He has intercourse with his spouse. And what is mentioned in the hadith is the order in which the person would act. And this order, or known in the Arabic language as the tartib, it needs to be in this order. Number one, the hadith says that he must free a slave. The Hanafiya, they say that it can be a Muslim or a non-Muslim. Majority of the ulama, they say it must be a believing slave. Point number two, if there is no slave, then one needs to fast for 60 consecutive days. And alhamdulillah, we don't have any slaves in our time today. So the first point obviously will not be able to implement. So as for point number two, one will need to fast for 60 consecutive days. And there will be no interval unless there is a valid shari'i reason. So what is a shari'i reason? For example, the person needed to travel. For example, the person became extremely ill. They were not allowed to fast. But as for any other reason that is not a shari'i reason, or maybe he was hungry and he decided that he's going to break that 60 days, then this is not allowed. Point number three. If he cannot fast, then he must feed 60 poor people. This, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, is the view of the majority of the ulama. This is the view of the majority of the ulama. The next mas'ala, if a person is paying back a fast, so Ramadan is completed, and he is fasting out of the month of Ramadan, so he is fasting a qada fast, and he has intercourse, there is no kafara for him except qada, except paying back that day. I will repeat this. If a person is paying back a fast, so he's have so for example someone Ramadan 2020 comes, he misses two days of Ramadan. And after the month of Ramadan, 
month of Muharram comes, he decides to pay back those two days. So he's fasting the one day and he has intercourse, he has jima' with his spouse on the day of his qada fast. There is no kafara for him. And like we mentioned, the first point is that he must free a slave. And we mentioned there is no freeing of slaves. So go to number two. He does not have to fast for 60 consecutive days. And if he was unable to fast for 60 consecutive days, point number three was that he was that he had to pay or feed 60 poor people. So he does not have to do this if it was outside of Ramadan. So what do we learn from this? What we learn from this is that only if a person has intercourse with his spouse during Ramadan. So he's fasting in the day and he has intercourse whilst he is fasting during the day of Ramadan, then kafara applies. If it is out of Ramadan and he is fasting and he has intercourse, then you will just have to repeat that day, but there is no kafara upon him. <coughs> what is the reason? The reason is that kafara is specific for Ramadan only. What we also learn from this hadith, my beloved brothers and sisters, in Islam, is that this hadith also indicates that it is permissible to eat from the kafara food. So when a'udhu billah, fulan, he fell into this situation and he couldn't fast for 60 days. He paid his kafara, he cooked a big pot of food, he fed 60 people, there was food over. Can he eat from this food? Yes, he is allowed to eat from the food. Where do we get this from? We get this from that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he gave them dates. They said they were poor, and the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, distribute this amongst your family. The hadith also indicates that if one falls into haram and you do not know the rulings, then one has to ask the people of knowledge. فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ ذِكْرِ إِن كُنْتُ That ask the people of knowledge. فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ ذِكْرِ That ask the people of knowledge if you do not know. And this, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, is extremely important. Today, alhamdulillah, we live in an era, we live in a time where Sheikh Google and Mufti Google, at a click of a button, he can produce answers. But sometimes we end up on the wrong website. Sometimes we end up on a website which is not controlled by the ulama of Ahlu Sunnah. And we might get different answers. This is why it is important to ask those people that know and that you have faith in and that have studied correctly. People of knowledge. And never feel shy. For whatever you need to know, ask the people of knowledge, whatever it might be. Whether it's a mas'ala in tahara, whether it's 
whether you think that it is a silly question. Remember, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, there is no silly question when it comes to deen. There is no foolish question. And like many of our ulama, many of our scholars, they have explained, they said that two people, they will never learn. The first person is that person that he is shy to ask or she is shy to ask a question. Ask if you do not know. And secondly, the person that won't learn is a person that has kibr. He is proud. I know everything. These two people, they will never learn. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to make us of those that when we don't understand and especially in the matters of deen, that we ask the ulama, we ask the du'at, we ask the students of knowledge and Allah knows best. The next mas'ala under this hadith and here we find that the ulama of this ummah, they have differed. And this is with regards to the female that had intercourse with her husband. So now we understand from this that there is no ikhtilaf amongst the ulama with regards to the male. The male he has intercourse during the month of Ramadan. He needs to follow the process that we discussed. As for the female, there are two opinions. The Shafi'iyya, Dawud al-Zahiri, Imam al-Nawawi, may Allah be pleased with all of them, and there is a narration from Imam Ahmad that says that no kafara for a female, there is no kafara for the female, as the hadith does not mention the female. So according to them, there is no kafara to the female or for her. As the hadith does not mention that there is a kafara for her. Again, this was the opinion of the Shafi'iyya, the opinion of Dawud al-Zahiri, the opinion of Imam al-Nawawi, who was a Shafi'i scholar as well. But there were times that Imam al-Nawawi, that he left the madhab and he had his own opinions. And a narration from the or from Imam Ahmad and Allah knows best. The second view says that if she agrees to it, meaning she agrees to have intercourse, to have jima' during the day of Ramadan, during the day of Ramadan, then there is a kafara upon her. But if she did not agree, and we're not going to go into too much detail, but the husband, for whatever reason, he had intercourse with the wife, and she was not ready to do it, she realized it's Ramadan, etc., but she still went with it, and she did not agree, then, according to the Malikiyah, there is no kafara upon her. But if she agreed and she was willing, then there is a kafara upon her as well. And this, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, this is the strongest view, and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. The next mas'ala under this hadith. Must the person pay back the day after the month of Ramadan? So yes, they must do the kafara, but must they pay back that day as well? Majority of the ulama, they say that the person must pay back the day 
after Ramadan as well. The next mas'ala, or the next hadith, is a hadith that deals with the ruling of one's fast when waking up in a state of ritual impurity, of major ritual impurity. So the person, he is in a state of janaba. An Aishata radiyallahu anha wa ummi salama radiyallahu anhuma. So this hadith is narrated by Aisha and Ummi Salama. May Allah be pleased with both of them. أَنَّ النَّبِيَّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ كَانَ يُسْبِحُ جُنُبًا مِنْ جِمَاعٍ ثُمَّ يَغْتَسِلُ وَيَصُومْ مُتَّفَكٌ عَلَيْهِ زَادَ مُسْلِمْ فِي حَدِيثْ أُمْ سَلَمَ لَا يَقُضِي أو وَلَا يَقُضِي Aisha رضي الله عنها and Umm Salama. May Allah be pleased with both of them. Narrated that the messenger of Allah would arise in the morning. Meaning the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he would wake up when it is Fajr time already. Meaning the Adhan of Fajr has called. There's no time to eat. Whilst he was in the state of Junub. And this is or means in a state of major ritual impurity due to a wet, an intercourse or due to a wet dream. So this is what causes major ritual impurities. So on a day in Ramadan, so it is the month of Ramadan. And as we know and we understand that after Maghrib, once a person breaks his fast, the husband and wife, they can have jima, they can have intercourse. So they had jima, they had intercourse, they fell asleep, and they only woke up, for example, whilst here in the Adhan for Fajr, or after the Adhan for Fajr, and what happens? They obviously did not make ghusr. So the hadith says, carries on and says, that he would then perform ghusl and fast. This hadith is muttafakun alayhi. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he would perform his ghusl and carry on fasting. So this hadith is muttafakun alayhi, it is agreed upon. In the narration of Imam Muslim on the authority of Umm Salama, may Allah be pleased with her, and she says, and he would not make up that day, meaning he would not make up a qada. So this hadith, it indicates, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, the validity of one's fast. When waking up in the state of major ritual impurity, during or due to intercourse, even if you make the ghusl after the adhan of fajr. And like we mentioned, you wake up, you had jima' with your spouse, and you wake up and you realize that it is after fajr. Yes, you carry on fasting. You will fast for that day and you will obviously make the ghusl. <coughs> Afwan. This hadith also indicates that it is permissible to delay the ghusl. An important mas'ala. And this mas'ala is discussed in Kitab al-Tahara in much more detail. 
that it is permissible to delay the ghusl. As we saw the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he had intercourse and he fell asleep. And he only wake, woke up at the time of Fajr and then he made ghusl. Another important mas'ala, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, is with regards to our sisters. That the ulama, they have made kiyas with regards to our sisters that has menses. So if her bleeding stops before Fajr, she can delay her ghusl. The next mas'ala. If a person has a wet dream, he has ihtilam during the day whilst he is fasting. So the person has a wet dream during the day whilst he is fasting, then his fast is still correct and he will carry on fasting. The next mas'ala, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, is the ruling of fasting on behalf of the dead. What does this mean? So, somebody, he had a few days of qada, was maybe sick, he traveled, she traveled, etc. And they wrote in the will that they were, or they had so X amount of days, that they have qada. And this person passes away. So what happens? Is this where the next hadith comes. An Aisha radiyallahu anha. Anna Rasulallahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qal. Man mata wa alayhi siyamun sama anhu waliyuhu muttafakun alayhi. Aisha radiyallahu anha, she narrated that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, whoever dies while he still has some fast to make up of the days of Ramadan, then his wali, his heir, any of them should fast on his behalf. This hadith is muttafaqun alayhi. So yeah, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, the wali, the wali or the ears of the person, and this one will have to go look in the chapter of inheritance. Who is the ears of the person that have or that has passed away? So you might be wondering and you might think, but the hadith says, or uses the word wali specifically. And here the ulama says that this is for aghlabiya. And it can be the wali or the ears of the person. The mayit. So the mayit, he passes away, for example, it was the father. And he has three sons. He has daughters. He has a wife. And maybe he has... 30 days to make up. So 30 days was written in his will. And he has 30 days to fast. So all of them, they can divide the fast amongst themselves and they can fast. 
majority of the ulama, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, they say that this is mustahab and it is not wajib. Meaning that it is mustahab to make up these days. Dawood al-Zahiri obviously he goes and he says that it is wajib, it is compulsory for the ears or the wali of a person that has passed away and he has days of Ramadan left that he should or that he must make it up. As for majority of the ulama, they say that it is mustahab. And however, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, the advice that the ulama give that they say that it will be better. So, your father, your mother, someone that was extremely close to you that you can inherit from, if they, you know that they had days that they did not make up, fast it on behalf of them. And this will be a reward for you and it will be in their benefit as well. And the view of the majority, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, this is the correct opinion, or this should I rather say is the rajih opinion, the preponderant view and Allah knows best. Alhamdulillah, the author of Buluhu Maram, the next ahadith, or the next few ahadith, deals with the fast with regards to the Sunan fast. So, the Sunan fast, for example, fasting the six days of Shawwal, for example, fasting on the day of Arafah for the non-Hajj, fasting the 10th of Muharram, etc., etc., fasting on the Monday and Thursday. Also, the Sheikh, he deals, or the author of Puluhu Maram, he deals with, for example, fasting after the 15th of Sha'ban, etc. And Alhamdulillah, this, we will start that chapter next week, bi-idhnillahi ta'ala. And our last mas'ala that we want to look at tonight, which is a very important mas'ala, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, a mas'ala for our beloved mothers, our beloved sisters, our beloved daughters especially, but as well for the Men folk of this ummah. Because sometimes, at times, we find that the husbands, the brothers, the fathers, they don't know the Masail which deals or which looks at the lives of our females. And it is important for both the males of the family and the females of the family that they know these Masail. And this Mas'ala that we're going to look at is the ruling on pregnant women and breastfeeding mothers if they do not fast. And before we go into this mas'ala, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, this mas'ala, it is a mas'ala of ikhtilaf. It is a mas'ala where the ulama, and not just the ulama, where the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, where they differed where they themselves differed as we will see as we move on. So my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, 
if you've adopted an opinion with regards to this mas'ala, alhamdulillah. Your brother, your sister, they've adopted another opinion and they have dalil for it, alhamdulillah as well. But sometimes we find that people have become fanatical over their position. And especially in a position that the ulama, they have differed. Especially where the sahaba have differed. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to not make us of those people that become fanatical on their view. If there is a view, and yes, it is an extremely ex- strong view, and the next opinion is extremely weak, and the dalil is not very strong, then maybe we have room to say that my opinion is strong and this is what you must follow and you bring dalil from the Qur'an and Sunnah and of that sayings of the ulama. But if we find that the Sahaba themselves, they differed, the A'imma, they differed, then there shouldn't be someone that is extremely fanatical on his view and Allahu Azza wa Jal knows best. Point number one. That they have to make up the fasts only. So a lady, she is breastfeeding. She feels she is extremely weak. And if she fasts, she is going to become weaker. So she does not fast in the month of Ramadan. Or our sister, she is pregnant. And she feels extremely weak. And if she fasts, the doctor might have told her she may be going through a bit of difficulty that my beloved sister, if you are going to fast, then you might harm the baby or you might harm yourself. So she decides not to fast. According to the first opinion, that they must just make up the fast. And my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam and especially our beloved mothers and sisters, With regards to a doctor, the advice is that go to a Muslim female doctor. So, and alhamdulillah, in our community in Cape Town, we have a lot of Muslim female gynecologists. Go to them. As they know the rules of Islam, bi'idhnillahi ta'ala, Or they are more, alhamdulillah, they are more God conscious, alhamdulillah. So go to them. Go to a Muslim female gynecologist. If you cannot, then go to a Muslim male doctor and so forth. But sometimes we find that we rush to a non-Muslim doctor and they don't understand these masail properly. On the flip side, my advice to the Muslim doctors, learn the rules of siyam, of fasting as well. Learn the rules where the Sharia speaks about menses, about nifas, as you will be able to help your patients and the ummah at large. So this view of making up the fast only, this is the view of Imam Abu Hanifa. May Allah be pleased with him. And amongst the companions 
it was the view of Ali ibn Abi Talib. So this was the view of Ali ibn Abi Talib. That the person, she only needs to make up her fast. The second opinion. And here we need to listen a bit carefully. That if they fear for themselves, they fear for themselves, they have to make up the fast only. And if they fear for the children, so either the fetus in the womb or they fear for the baby that is breastfeeding, then they have to make up the fast and they have to feed one poor person for each day. This is the view of Imam al-Shafi'i rahimallahu ta'ala. This is the view of Imam Ahmad. And this was the view of Ibn Umar, yani Abdullah ibn Umar, may Allah be pleased with him. Let's look at this mas'ala again. That if they fear for themselves, so the mother, she's pregnant and she fears for herself, then she only needs to make up the fast. But if they fear for the child that is either breastfeeding or the fetus that is in the stomach, then they would have to make up the fast and they would have to feed one poor person. This is the opinion of the Shafi'iyah. This is also the fatwa that if you see at the start of Ramadan, that the ulama in Cape Town that they give, many of them gives this fatwa. This is also the opinion of Imam Ahmad. This is also the opinion of Abdullah ibn Umar, the son of Sayyidina Umar. May Allah be pleased with both of them. And the third view is that they have to feed the poor only. What do they need to do? They only need to feed the poor and they do not have to make up the fasts. Amongst the Sahaba which held this view was Abdullah ibn Abbas. May Allah be pleased with him. Ibn Qudama, he also mentions this in Mughni from Ibn Umar as well. Abu Dawood rahimallahu ta'ala he narrated from or he brings the hadith which is narrated from Ibn Abbas and Ali that this phrase those who can fast with difficulty was a concession granted to old men and women who find it difficult to fast allowing them not to fast and to feed one poor person for each day instead and they said the same for a pregnant woman and breastfeeding if they are afraid. Abu Dawood said, or i.e. this is for their children, that they may not fast and may feed the poor instead. Imam al-Nawawi rahimallahu ta'ala, he said that this isnad is hasan. It was also narrated by al-Bazzar, who added at the end, Ibn Abbas used to say to a concubine of his who was pregnant, you are like one who cannot fast. So you have to pay the fidya, but you do not have to pay 
or you, but you do not have to make up the fast. Imam Ad-Darukutni, he classed this Isnad as Sahih. And this is stated in Al-Talkhis by Al-Hafid. Al-Jassas, he narrated in Ahkam Al-Quran that the scholars, they have differed concerning this issue. And he said that the Salaf, they differed concerning this matter and there were three points of view. And we mentioned these three points, I'm going to mention it again. That Ali radiallahu an, he had the view that they have to make up the fast if they do not fast, but they do not have to pay fidya. A pregnant female, someone that is breastfeeding. Whether she fears for herself or whether she fears for her child, according to Ali radiallahu an, or the fatwa that he gave, is that she just needs to make up her fast. Ibn Abbas, he said that they have to pay fidya, but they do not have to make up the fast. Ibn Umar, he said that they have to pay the fidya and they have to make up the fast. Those who said that they only have to make up the fast, this is the evidence. From, it is found in the Sunan of An-Nasai, from Anas, that the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, Allah has wavered half of the prayer for the traveler and fasting, and for those who are pregnant and breastfeeding. Sheikh Albani, rahimallahu ta'ala, he classed this hadith as sahih. So this narration is evidence for those who says that you must only make up the fasts. The second group, they use the analogy of the sick, just as the sick are allowed not to fast and have to make it up later, the same applies to those who are pregnant and breastfeeding. So according to these ulama, they say that if someone is pregnant and if someone is breastfeeding, they fall under the ruling of someone that is ill, someone that is sick, and they will just have to pay back the day of fast and they do not have to feed anyone. Sheikh bin Baz rahimallahu ta'ala, he says in Majmu' al-Fatawa that pregnant and breastfeeding women come under the same ruling as those who are sick. What does the Sheikh say? That they come under the same ruling as those who are sick. If it is difficult to, for them to fast, then it is prescribed for them not to fast and they will have to make up the fast later. This view is, seems to be a majority view that they will have to make up the fast only and they say that this is just like the traveler and those who are sick because Allah Azza wa Jal, He says in Surah Al-Baqarah verse 184 but if any of you is ill or on a journey the same number should be made up from other days yani from after Ramadan. Shaykh Ibn Uthaymin rahimallahu ta'ala, he said in Sharh al-Mumti that after mentioning the difference of scholarly opinions, and this was the opinions that we mentioned, the Shaykh, he brought these opinions as well, about the ruling on this matter and expressing his preference for the view that she only has to make up the misfast, this view is most likely to be correct in the Shaykh's opinion because at most they are like the ones who are sick 
or traveling and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. And this brings us to the end of tonight's lesson. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us success. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive our shortcomings. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illa astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.